and welcome to another episode of A Need to Read, you absolute legends. Thanks so much for choosing to spend your time listening to this podcast. I'm hopefully going to bring you some pretty good information about geopolitics. And that is not a sentence I ever thought I'd say in my life. But here we are. And I hope you're well. And I hope everything is not mad in the run up to Christmas. Things are a little bit mental, again, with the old virus coming back uh, in whatever form. Um, just try not to consume too much of the news because it is wildly depressing and you can shut your eyes and ears off to it and anything important, I'm sure someone somewhere will tell you, probably someone on Instagram. That's just my little bit of housekeeping there. The housekeeping for the podcast so we can keep this thing going and keep bringing all the good information and all the good books to the people. Just a quick word from the sponsors of the show. So the show is primarily sponsored by BetterHelp and I'm super proud that it is because BetterHelp provide an online therapy service to millions of people all over the world. Now not only is that just a good thing but they do it in a timely manner and in an affordable way. They're bringing therapy to the people and they are truly getting it done. There are millions of people who have used BetterHelp to improve their lives and I would suggest... You could be one of them. If you're one of those people considering therapy, whether you need to chat to a professional about how you're feeling, about where you are in relation to your goals, if there is a disparity between your expectations and reality, then therapy could be really helpful for you. All you would need to do is head to betterhelp.com forward slash a need to read, run through a 10 minute questionnaire answering as honestly as possible so they can do the best match for you with a therapist within just 48 hours. So that is betterhelp.com forward slash a need to read and that will get you 10% off your first month of online therapy. A need to read is also partnered with Heights. They are your all-in-one brain care supplement. Now there are some pretty shocking figures on how many people in the UK are sufficiently nourishing their brains with just their diet. It's not looking too good for us. Over 90% of people in the UK are lacking the sufficient nutrients to support normal brain function But we don't just want a normal brain function. We kind of want things to be working as smoothly as possible. Now, it can take up to four months to fully replenish your brain. But within the first months of taking it heights, you can expect to feel a little bit more focus, have improvement on your sleep and also a potential reduction in anxiety. I personally have experienced all three benefits. I've been taking it for about three to four months now and I cannot fault it. Hence, the continued partnership. Now, if you want to get your brain fully replenished and nourished and feeling good, head to the link in the description. Use the code need to read with the number two and not the word, and you will get 10% off of any subscription you use. That is the end of the sponsors. Let's get in to the show. Now, as always, and by as always, I mean as of recently, I've introduced a feature called a need to know where I bring you information that I think would be important for you to know. Now this week is quietly self-indulgent, but I just got given my blue belt in jiu-jitsu and if I'm honest, it has taken me a long time to get there and a lot of ups and downs just to be really cliche about it. But there have been times I've wanted to quit, there's been times I wanted to hang up the gi and times I've just not wanted to bother. And it usually, with things like that, I would give up. But for the first time, potentially, in my life, I've committed something for years. It's definitely longer than any relationship I've been in. And I'm finally getting a reward of a blue belt. It is a two-inch thing, 
thick piece of cloth and it goes around my waist and it means more to me than probably any other possession that I own, just in terms of what it represents. Now, even with all that, and here's the interesting bit, the moment that I was given it, I felt no joy. And there is something to be said about that, that becoming is better than being. This is something that's mentioned in Mindset by Carol Dweck, um, a book, ironically, all about your mindset. So the moment that I got called up to be given my belt, I was like, yeah, cool. Like I kind of expected it. And that, I don't know if it is really bad that that's the case or not, but what I'm going to focus on is the fact that it is so much more important to enjoy the journey than you're on than to just focus on the end result. Because when it comes, no matter how much it means to you, it might just not be as good as you imagined. Because instantly, I'm like, cool, I'm blue butt now, I want purple. Because as humans, we just have this thing to never be satisfied. So a self-indulgent need to know this week, I am now a blue belt, which of course means that, um, well, it just means that I'm a little bit happier with what I wear into training and feel a little bit more comfortable. And it's given me something to talk to my therapist about, about the lack of joy and why becoming is better than being. Another thing that I've found over the last couple of weeks that's been pretty cool is if you use Google Chrome and you also have a Kindle, these are your qualifiers for that. So, I mean, if you don't have a Kindle, I suggest getting one. They are pretty cool. I used to give them a lot of shit, but I've changed my mind because that is what people do. There is a Chrome extension called Send to Kindle, which just means any articles or things that you want to read on the internet but you'd actually prefer to take a bit of time away from your computer screen or your phone, you can send it to your Kindle and it formats it perfectly. I think it's great. I think it's really helpful. I'm not affiliated with them in any way, but if you're into reading and like reading articles and shit like that, then it's pretty cool. Now, let's get onto the subject of Prisoners of Geography by Tim Marshall. Now, Tim Marshall is a journalist and he specialises in foreign affairs and international diplomacy. Uh, he does a lot of like social commentary on the world and like political commentary uh, still. And he's written the book Prisoners of Geography, 10 maps that tell you everything you need to know about global politics. This book covers Russia, China, USA, Western Europe, Africa, the Middle East, India and Pakistan, Korea and Japan, Latin America and the Arctic. I never thought I would find this interesting, but here we are. I think geopolitics is really cool and I'm feeling pretty smug about the information um, that I now know. So imagine yourself, you're there at Christmas and someone's like, hey guys, have you seen what's happening in China? And you're like, oh yes, well, I actually read Prisoners of Geography. Not that impressing people in conversation is the sole reason uh, that we read, but I mean, maybe it's one of them if we really dug deep. Now, it's very important to know, when I talk about these different countries here, um, <laughs> I mean, just because of the climate on the internet, I feel the need to say that I'm not a racist, but of course, um, you should you should know that by now, and I shouldn't really feel the need to say it, um, but once again, here we are. If I'm talking about a country, I'm more talking about their government um, than the individual people there who pretty much have no sway over what their governments do. Um Unlike us in the UK, we can vote and stuff. And if anything, reading this book makes me pretty grateful um, that I was born in the UK. And I think that is quite a good thing to do because sometimes we can take it for granted that we live in a country that has diplomacy, essentially. Um, democracy, I meant not diplomacy. Um, 
we get to choose essentially who's in our government to a certain extent. A lot of countries don't, namely China and Russia. So I'm going to talk about Russia to begin with and just give you some interesting information. This is going to be more of me spitting some facts at you and you'll be like, oh, do you know what? I wouldn't mind knowing stuff like that. So maybe I'll read the book. Um, Russia, then if you want to know how big it is, it is 6 million square miles and most of it is uninhabitable. It's like a bog and it's a tundra. And there are still, in 2021, pretty much only two trains that run from west to east. And it would take you about six days to get there. That seems like an awful long time. When you consider like Japan has the bullet train that goes about 400 kabillion miles per hour. Um, for it to take six days to get across the country is pretty archaic, really. When you consider the kind of sneaky dark superpower that Russia are um, no offence Vladimir Putin if you're listening obviously uh, for purposes of not getting murdered I think you're pretty cool um, now one of the most interesting thing about Russia and one of the things that keeps them kind of locked in to where they are is that they have one port that is a warm water port some of the others on especially on the north coast are frozen for months of the year so they have a vested interest in keeping their one port that's in the Black Sea running. Why is it relevant? Why do we give a shit about Russia and where they keep their boats? Well, they're not shy to just kind of take what they want. Um, they'll, they'll do that at a drop of a hat, as it seems. So Crimea was signed over to Ukraine in 1954. Um, there's been lots of Crimean wars. You spoke about encourages calling Florence Nightingale's involvement um, in the... Crimean War. It's quite interesting if you want to have a look into it. But they're just troublesome. They keep picking fights with people around the areas of the Black Sea, or they hold them in a very tight embrace. Countries like Moldova, um, when their relationship with Russia is good, Russia will pay higher prices on stuff that they import um, from them, like specifically wines and stuff like that. But if Moldova want to play happy families with anyone else, within Europe, then Russia are like, yeah, now nah, we're not going to pay much for anything that you want to bring over. Um, sorry. A lot of countries in Europe are kind of boycotting Russia as well because of their dodgy dealings. So, unfortunately for us in the rest of the world, they've now got a gas deal with China. And it spans over 35 years and is worth over $400 billion. This isn't great, right? China and Russia have uh, shaky reputations at the best of time. For them to be teaming up over gas uh, and oil and energy resources is not good. Now, before I move on to the infamous China, the all-powerful China, um, something quite interesting I found out about Russia the other day in a podcast that Joe Rogan did with the guys who did the Social Network documentary. Now, 18 of, I think it was the top 19 like Christian Facebook groups are actually run by Russian bots. And I mean, it kind of goes without saying that that is not a good thing. All you have to do is type in Russian bots running and it'll be like running BLM pages, running Christian pages, running like essentially far left and far right pages in the US. If I was a tactician, I would say that they're doing something quite intelligent there. And this is what they talk about on the, on the podcast of Joe Rogan, is that they're essentially causing outrage they're splitting the country up from the inside. In war nowadays, it's hardly likely 
that Russia are going to send a bomb over to the States or China are going to send a bomb over to the States or us. It is very likely that they're going to leverage the power of social media and online activities. And if they can run that and cause as much outrage and divide in a country um, as, I mean, potentially as powerful as the US, then where do we draw the line? What else can they do? It's... uh, it's not looking too good, but honestly, have a look at that because it is really interesting. Um, as much as it isn't looking good, it is looking interesting. So have a look at that if you fancy reading a couple of articles on the Russian bots because it's kind of scary, but it's also something worth paying attention to. Now, Russia aren't even the most concerning of the countries that you read about in this book. Now, it will be China. China are number one. It's a communist state, right? I don't know if anyone... I'm sure everyone knows that communism isn't good. All you have to do is read George Orwell's Animal Farm for a really clear sort of explanation or demonstration of why that wouldn't work. So essentially there's a lot of control by the government in the businesses that run China. And let's be honest, China do a lot for the world. All the factories in China, everything's made in China I personally am trying to avoid buying stuff that was made in China, but it's a very, very hard like choice to make. It's hard to tell, and you have to be really, really dil- diligent, which is also kind of draining. But, you know, sometimes we have to speak with our wallets, uh, and I am personally choosing not to, or try to not to buy stuff from China. Um, but the likely scenario is that I'm recording this podcast on a piece of equipment that was probably made in China, on a laptop uh, that was probably made in China as well. So it's definitely going to be a hard thing to keep up. China's geographical location, they're pretty ruthless with their bordering countries, and they make sure to show force pretty much wherever they can. We kind of feel like gone are the days of war, uh, every war that goes past, like, yeah, no, that won't happen again. That won't happen again. Um, just because things aren't going the way of, like, Normandy landings and, and people storming beaches with knives between their teeth and running up and shooting the enemy. I personally feel like we're past that as well, but I was totally wrong. Um, Russia swing their dick about. China swing their dick about. China have moved 100 million people up to the area where they border with Russia where Russia only number about 7 million. So if push came to shove, China would probably win that. Um, In terms of scary things that China have done, so I'm not just here mugging off other countries, I'm really conscious of that. Um, But in 2006, there was an American sort of exercise where the American warship was passing through between the sea of Taiwan and Japan. Whilst they were on this exercise up floats a Chinese submarine, completely undetected by the Americans, so it didn't show up on their radar. And it just showed up and was like, oh, sorry, we didn't realise you were here, which is probably bullshit, um, because their radars definitely would have picked up boats that were on the surface. And the Americans saw this provocative, um, but of course it's a wise decision not really to do much about that, because we don't really want World War Three, not just yet. However, here's the thing about Taiwan. Taiwan are trying to split from China. China still think that Taiwan is theirs. America are working closely with Taiwan. 
China not so happy about this because they think it's stealing business from them, which, I mean, it kind of is. Uh, so their relationship with places like Taiwan is not very good. Their relationship with Tibet is very, very bad. The whole reason that the Dalai Lama is pretty much famous is because of what China are doing with Tibet. And they are flooding these countries with Han Chinese, which is the origin, I'm going to say race, could be wrong here, of China. They're started around the Yellow Basin River and have migrated far and wide as much as they can. Now, religion and stuff like that, I can't tell from the book if that's that big in China, but here is what happens in China if you are a Muslim. You are mistreated, I am pretty sure. They've got almost a million Uyghurs, I don't know if I'm saying that right, in re-education camps. There is systematic rape, abuse genocide it's just not looking good for these re-education camps if you're looking well in in any sense of the world this is essentially genocide on a grand scale and this is exactly what hitler did re-education camp concentration camp it's synonymous it's it's pretty much the same thing so the treatment of muslims in china is fucking disgusting um and i know it's reported about a little bit and you may have heard about it um, but it is kind of depressing, which whilst reading this book and you read about countries like Pakistan who are trying to work quite closely with China, if almost for a little bit of security, it just makes you question the morals of governments because Pakistan is a, like a majority Muslim country, right? And China are being terrible to the Muslims in their country, but Pakistan are happy to work for them just because they got a little bit of money. It says all you kind of really need to know about global politics is that the individual is not often taken into account, especially if you're putting that individual into a re-education camp. I think it's absolutely minging. Um, so this is one of the reasons why I'm trying not to spend my money in uh, China. Something, like some of this is quite, it's entertaining if it was fiction. So they argue with the Philippines a lot, the Chinese. I'm making it sound like they're in a playground, but they haven't got a great relationship with the Philippines and there are some islands that they are contesting, each of them, that they both own them called the Spratly Islands. Whilst they're arguing, China like, oh, fuck this. So they just built a runway across a load of islands and they just started building on it without really checking. And what are the Philippines going to do? Go to war with them about it? Probably not, because China has got 1.5 billion people and Philippines hasn't got anywhere near that. It's kind of concerning. Their dealings also with countries like Sri Lanka. So they loaned them a lot of money to build a port because China need more of a port. Um, Sri Lanka couldn't pay them back so China are like don't you worry about it just give us some land on a 99 year lease <laughs> and we'll just be a bit closer to India interesting thing here India and China two of the largest countries in the world in terms of population they border each other but there have only ever been one war between them which was in the 50s or the 60s in 1962 it was they fought for about a month Apart from that, they've never been in conflict. And that is purely because of, this is where the geography comes into it, these, uh, these mountains, they're pretty big, uh, called the Himalayas. You may have heard of them, Everest, stuff like that. That gets in the way of them having a war. Thank God. To only have one war between two like pretty big countries is, is kind of impressive. Now I am conscious that I'm waffling here. I'm going to move on to the USA. So geographically, 
the US pretty much has it all. In terms of the development of them, obviously, however many years ago, Christopher Columbus or whoever it was, went over to the US and then started a load of genocide and they killed a lot of the Native Americans, and I mean a lot of them, introduced new diseases, raped them, killed them, did everything you would ever not want to happen to you um, or your people. But they didn't always own all of the United States. In the 1800s, I think it was, they bought Louisiana for about 15 million from France, which is essentially one of the best bits of business they've ever done. Because in Louisiana is the basin of the Mississippi. So it just made the whole of America accessible for them. It's more navigatable miles of transport on that river than the rest of the world put together. So they could move stuff up, down, left, right, you name it, on that river, they could pretty much go anywhere. And trade and transport of goods is essential to development of countries, which is why England has done so well. We've got a great like river network. We've also got pretty good soils for growing crops. There is a lot of things to be said for just living in the right place or stumbling across the right place if you are a coloniser who wants to go and murder some people. Which, I mean, I wouldn't suggest you do that nowadays because, oh, darling, it would not be good for us. Um, now, US have reach everywhere. They've got bases pretty much all over the world, like military bases. So that's in Japan, South Korea, placed in the middle of the Middle East. So they're pretty much like preparing for the worst. And that makes for a kind of fragile climate. It is depressing when you read this book as well, just to realise how prepared everyone is for war. Um, but the good news is, of course, we don't have Donald Trump. We don't have his fat fingers hovering over the uh, the red button anymore. And there is some debate as well of whether the US will remain to be a superpower in the years to come. And I honestly, they they 100% will be, let's face it. They have, I think it's 17 of the top 20 universities are all based in the United States. So they're producing smarter people. Of course, they are producing some pretty stupid people as well. But aren't we all, in terms of countries, there are stupid people everywhere. Um, it's just Americans seem to get a lot of a lot of the press for their stupid people. Are they going to be a superpower? Well, they control something for China that is very, very important, and that is the Panama Canal. They pretty much run that thing. And if they wanted to, if they really, really wanted to, which they probably wouldn't, they could shut that down. They could stop China moving ships through there. In response to that, China, or a businessman from China, which is kind of just means that it's China, tried to buy a massive bit of land in Nicaragua, which is somewhere around Mexico or in Mexico. I'm not totally sure. There's only so much you can remember from a book, right? It was about 40 billion they spent trying to make a canal in that country. That's kind of suspicious, right? They've got a perfect, perfectly good Panama Canal. If they keep things sweet with America, they shouldn't have to worry about that. Why are they trying to build another canal just for them? It's worth thinking about. If you're scared, please read the book so you're not as scared. Um, because it's, it's, I mean, it is kind of scary, actually, isn't it? When you think about it, these are mega powerful countries and they're not doing the best of stuff. 
which of course makes me sound wildly intelligent when I say they're not doing the best of stuff. But move on from the states. I think everyone knows the states are probably going to remain a superpower. And I've recently seen that Joe Biden uh, had a chat with the Chinese president um, that seemed to go positively. But honestly, who fucking trusts that? I, I mean, I don't. I don't know if that's just because I watch too much South Park or something, but I don't trust them. Um, on to Western Europe, right? Where we reside, the UK. Maybe you don't live in the UK, but I do. Quite fortunately as well, because things were all right here. Like I said earlier, the soil was good, we got good transport. For a small country, we hold quite a lot of power. A lot of the chapter on Europe in this book uh, was around the World War and France and Germany and how they work together. And if I'm honest, I'm, a, I'm not too clued up on it, but it seems like a pretty silly decision um, that we left Europe to be on our own because we are a small country. Uh, and we need each other, you know? This is the whole point of neoliberalism. We've got to all work together. I mean, we would in an ideal world, but of course, uh, we don't live in one of those, do we? Europe, it's interesting, the chapter, uh, the stuff about the World War, but there's not too much for me to tell you that you probably don't already know. There was a quite an interesting thing about Russia, sneaky Russians again. Um, in 2013, a Russian bomber flew into Sweden for a so-called exercise, um, and it was undetected. Like, what, they're just detecting that their radar jammers don't work? That's not a very good exercise, is it? And it was Denmark who noticed it, finally. It wasn't even Sweden. So that's kind of worrying that there are those kind of exercises going on. It's all the beauty of the world we live in, honestly. I, I, can't <laughs> I feel like maybe this book has, has educated me a little bit on what's going on, but I don't know if that's made me think more positively about the world or more negatively. It's, it's hard to tell. There's a chapter on Africa that was really interesting. Obviously, Africa is fucking huge. It is probably bigger than the States. I think they said about three times bigger than the States, but it doesn't show you that on like, world maps. And I guess that kind of has something to do with the curvature of the earth or something like that. Um, I actually went to Africa, and it's weird that we say, oh, we went to Africa as a continent. I went to Zimbabwe and uh, Zambia about five or six years ago, maybe it was seven. And they've got amazing infrastructure. In Zambia, they've got amazing roads, and everything else is not so amazing. And do you know why that is? Guess who's building the roads for them? Oh, so kindly, in exchange for some natural resources. China. China seems to be really getting their teeth um, into Africa and I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's great in terms of like the development of the country but also who knows what kind of like under the table deals are going on there as well. Um, God, these governments, sneaky governments, I just want to re reiterate again because I sound like I'm being pretty harsh, I'm talking specifically about the governments yeah, not the people in generally, in general. Now, a weird part of Africa, not a weird part. Sorry, that was something that was quite a rude thing to say. Uh, but somewhere that is causing quite a lot of problems for the people that live there is the Democratic Republic of Congo, um, which, funny enough, isn't democratic or a republic. Um, there are about two hundred language languages spoken there about 81 people and they are literally a hot spot for natural resources including things like diamond gold and there are lots of wars going on there 
there have been civil war in the DRC for a very long time, and it's estimated about 6 million people have died um, because of the impact of those wars, uh, from famine, from disease, from malnutrition. It's just not good. And 50% of those, by the way, are children, like actual children. I think it's really hard for us to imagine in the West like what it means to be so fucked as a country that our children are dying en masse. We're very, very fortunate here. Like, our life expectancy is far greater than most other countries. But, like, almost three million children. It's just, it's a bit sad. I feel a bit sad saying it um, and talking about it. But, yeah, guess who else is uh, in in the DRC? So it's China. Um, China have spent about two million, two billion, sorry, on an 800-mile railway um, line to export natural resources out of the DRC uh, to the Angolan coast, which is obviously, I mean, it's not bloody great, is it? One of the more interesting parts um, in the Africa chapter is it talking about Ethiopia, which is called Africa's water tower, essentially. It's got high elevation. It's got about a billion times more rainfall than other countries. Obviously, that's not a real statistic um, before anyone quotes on that. But they are building a lot of dams. They've got about 20 dams overall. Um, fed by like rainfall and the rivers and stuff like that and they're trying to build like a hydroelectric project on the Blue Nile um, which is called the Grand Renaissance Dam I can't say that word for some reason but you'll know the one that I mean this is going to be a bit of a cause for concern for Egypt because they essentially control the flow of water into Egypt now, if Ethiopia decide to hold on to the water, it's going to really impact Egypt's water source, and that is not going to be a good thing. It's mental that like, we don't even consider this kind of shit in England or wherever you listen to this. Most of, it's like West, most of the listeners are in Western countries like Australia, US, Ireland, the UK. We don't ever have to worry about this. Don't have to have a worry about our water sources and stuff like that. It must be. I really feel for for people around the world who um, aren't as privileged as us, and I guess that is one of the main things that I've taken from this book. As much as I've sounded a little bit like Trump saying China um, all the time in this podcast, it for the most part has just made me really, really grateful to be in the UK, and I feel very, very fortunate to be here and to have been sort of born here. I think it's definitely one of those times like check your privilege. I do think that's a good thing because you can then feel grateful about it. There is a chapter on the Middle East as well, um, which just goes into a lot about Sunni and Shia Muslims, uh, which is kind of interesting to know because I I didn't really know that much about it. Um, I'm going to avoid talking about it just because I don't want to fuck it up and be mean. Um, to anyone but it's also worth noting that I just think generally religion um, isn't isn't that much of a great idea anymore not in the 21st century anyway Uh, there's a chapter on India and Pakistan and I can tell you from my notes here that they are not the best of friends that is all I did on my notes it is very interesting to see the relationship through history um, between countries like India and Pakistan or another chapter that's on Korea and Japan the relationship between North and South Korea is definitely something to have a look into. And I think the main sort of thing that I got from this book is that when I'm at a party 
or like a family party and someone's like, oh, have you heard about uh, what's happening in North Korea? I'm like, yeah, actually, I've read uh, Prisoners of Geography by Tim Marshall, so I'm pretty clued up on the whole geopolitics thing and politics around the world. So if you have even an ounce of interest in this, which I quite literally started reading the book with the smallest amount of interest in geopolitics i really recommend reading it it's good stuff to know it's definitely worth paying attention to if you want to kind of understand how the world works and what makes which country not like the other one and stuff like that it's interesting i've never been bothered about it before i don't really think geography is that cool and i don't really think politics is that cool but when you combine the two you've got something pretty sweet and the book overall is pretty decent so i would recommend reading it i think it's just one of those like oh you have to read it at some point in your life just to get an understanding of it that is it i'm so concerned that that podcast episode it's all over the place and that i said um a lot of time but just for transparency and authenticity we'll leave it as it is hopefully you enjoyed listening if you did please consider sharing it with someone pick your favorite episode and send it to them say i think you would like this also Ed needs our support. I will be soon, pay attention to this, uh, coming up with a webinar just to help people read a little bit better, help people understand why it's important, help people pick the books that they need, help people remember stuff, help people build the habit, and essentially turn you into a lifelong reader who actually understands what they're reading and can make sense of it as well. Because that's really, really important and I'm not going to turn around and be like, hey guys, I'm a life coach now. I'm just going to do the odd webinar every now and then and it's going to be the same kind of thing just so people can learn from me direct from Zitoris's mouth. Whilst also being given the opportunity to ask questions. So sign up to my email list if you would like to hear about that as and when it comes out. But other than that, I think you're all absolute legends. As always, I love you. Goodbye.